Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. President Joe Biden has announced that the U.S. will withdraw troops from Afghanistan by September 11th. We asked San Diego veterans what they thought about the decision. Then actor, director, and professor Jesse Perez is our guest on this week's episode of Name Drop San Diego. First, the news. The mother of a 24-year-old mentally ill man who died after San Diego trolley security officers held him down with a knee to the neck agreed to settle with the agency and its security contractor for $5.5 million, officials said Monday. Angel Zapata Hernandez's death prompted the Metropolitan Transit System to make changes to security policies, including banning carotid restraints, chokeholds, and using a knee to put pressure on a person's head, throat, or neck. Under the settlement, MTS will pay $2.5 million and its insurance carrier will pick up $625,000. Contractor TSS and its insurance company will pay the remaining balance. Three members of the San Diego City Council say they want to see changes to a potential franchise agreement between the city and San Diego Gas and Electric. Council members Sean Ela Rivera, Monica Montgomery Stepp, and Joe LaCava spoke Monday at a rally organized by local environmental groups. They said they want Mayor Todd Gloria and the city to strengthen some of the PAC's provisions. Under city rules, any franchise agreement has to receive final approval from at least six of the council's nine members. San Diego City Council created a COVID-19 response and recovery committee to focus on vaccine equity, the city's use of federal aid, reviving tourism, and promoting innovations created during the pandemic. The committee will also evaluate city policies enacted during the pandemic, including homelessness and small business policies, and whether they yielded any long-term lessons. Council President Jennifer Campbell is on the committee with Council People Marnie Von Wilpert, Stephen Whitburn, and Sean Ela Rivera. President Joe Biden announced this week that all remaining U.S. troops will leave Afghanistan by September 11th of this year, ending a 20-year war. Over the years, 2,312 U.S. service members died in the conflict, at least 26 who called San Diego County home, and 178 more who deployed from San Diego area bases. Reporters Andrew Dyer and Christina Davis talked to local service members. Okay, Andrew, you spoke to um, a handful of service members about their experiences and their you know, experiences in Afghanistan and their opinions on the withdrawal. Um, was there consensus among current and former military members about whether this is a good decision? Um, so I, I actually spoke to, I spoke to one army veteran who was in the infantry in Afghanistan. And um, so the story was reported by both me and uh, Christina Davis, and she spoke to a couple other veterans herself um, but overall, the, the people we talked to um, didn't disagree on much as far as how the war was prosecuted. Um, it was frustrating for people on the ground. Uh, they, they told us um, with shifting priorities, um, you know, different commanders would rotate in and out uh, almost every year. So whenever a new general would uh, report for duty, there would be a, a, a period of time where they are learning the ropes and then making changes to, to the, the goals there. And this just happened over and over again over a period of uh, almost 20 years now. Um, 
at one point early in the conflict, you know, the U.S. had the Taliban uh, largely defeated and, and running for the hills, so to speak, um, m- many times into the neighboring country of Pakistan. And, uh, you know, one, one person I spoke with um, was an Afghan interpreter working with U.S. forces. And, um, you know, he told me that, you know, that was when uh, the U.S. lost the war in, in, his, in his eyes because um, once they defeated the Taliban, they did not, weren't able to fully defeat them. And um, we've seen that in recent years as they've kind of surged back and um, taken more more ground uh, in the country. Yeah, that same interpreter, you know, expressed concern for the well-being of Afghan people once troops pull out. What does he think will happen? Uh, he thinks that anybody who uh, worked with the United States or worked with the official Afghan government in Kabul uh, will be targeted by the Taliban. Um, you know, he did not. He did not mince words. He said that people who work with the U.S., work with the government, um, will be killed or their family members killed in front of them. He said that is what happens uh, when the Taliban retakes areas formerly held by the U.S. or or coalition forces and um, exacts revenge on those who worked with the United States. It's part of the reason why... um, why he's in this country now because his work with the United States left him and his family in, in danger. Um, now for him, he's, you know, now living in El Cajon. Um, he, he was able to get his, his wife and, and daughters over here as well. But, you know, there are uh, other people who worked with uh, the military still in Afghanistan, still stuck in this limbo of the special immigrant visas uh, a program which was curbed uh, sharply by uh, former president trump i mean will the will the united states government offer any protections might these you know people be able to come here or or what's going on there so you know in, in reporting this story um we were not able to get into that issue as much as uh, it it warrants um i think that is one of the one of the big things um, that we're hearing about now with this announced withdrawal of, of troops is like, how are we going to fix the special immigrant visa program? And how are we going to um, make right by the people who risk their lives and their families' lives to help us? Andrew, and how about civilians? I mean, what do they, what will they have to worry about after troops pull out? Uh, what did the interpreter have to say? Well, it's, you know, the Afghanistan society is still, in, you know, a, a rural uh, society. It's very tribal. Um, and, you know, these people, you know, going back, you know, beyond the U.S. engagement in Afghanistan, you know, they were invaded by the Soviets in 1979. They endured uh, that occupation in the 80s. Um, they've been occupied uh, by the U.S. one way or another since 2001. Um, before the U.S. came in, it was the, the Taliban who uh, brutalized uh, this, these people. So um, we're talking about a civilian population that has just been routinely um, uh, subjugated and brutalized over and over and over and over again uh, for, for decades at this point. Um, and they're really just at the mercy, depending on where they live, who is in control of, of, of this province or the, this village. Um, 
they're, they're really at the mercy of, of, of either the, the Taliban or, or the Afghan government at this point. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they are the ones who, who suffer for all of these uh, decisions. And, um, yeah, that's, that's not going to change no matter who's in charge. You also um, asked people who served if the war was worth it, you know, both for themselves and for our nation. What did they say? Um, it was a little bit more mixed. Um, one person I spoke to, uh, Jeff Lee, he, he's a, he was a civilian working in Afghanistan at about the midpoint of, of the war uh, from 2010 to about 2013, um, doing a couple different things. Um, he was uh, kind of a working on infrastructure in one part and then working on humanitarian issues on another part. And to him, there's no question that, you know, um, some people in Afghanistan are better off now than they were um, under the Taliban ruled government in, in 1999 and, and 2000, um, especially women and girls who have, uh, you know, part of his job in the country was to, you know, build roads um, and to establish, you know, schools. Um, this is something that before the war, you know, girls would not be allowed to go to school and, and get an education. And that's something that has changed for the better. Um, of course, uh, the long-term, uh, whether that remains so long-term um, is up in the air. Uh, right now, the, the Afghan government and the Taliban um, are, are in peace talks. Um, but with this announcement, you know, the, the Taliban did pull out of one planned summit and uh, it kind of remains to be seen how that process will go uh, with the knowledge that the U.S. is is leaving at this, this date. So we were, you know, we agreed to leave um, as part of our own uh, peace deal with, with the Taliban. Um, but that hard withdrawal date, you know, this is kind of... Uh, I think a bargaining chip that the, the Afghan government had that's kind of been taken out of their hands now uh, that, you know, we know exactly when they're going to go. So um, long-term, you know, this is something, you know, that is uh, up in the air. And one thing that has people worried about what's going to happen uh, once our, our president, and our presence isn't that big there right now, about 2,500 troops, but um the the potential for for more violence is certainly there some people you talk to also expressed doubts that the troops would actually be pulled so you know say it doesn't happen what then i mean what effect will this have um on morale so because afghanistan deployments are not what they used to be um it used to be people would rotate in and out of afghanistan all the time uh soldiers marines um Sailors, uh, a lot of the, the big carrier strike group deployments were, were done in support of operations Iraqi freedom and, and enduring freedom. Um, which one you were participating in, it was dependent on which ocean you were, you were sitting in at the time. Um, oftentimes a ship would go and do some missions on uh, OEF uh, near Afghanistan, and then you'd, you'd hop on over to the Gulf and do some OIF stuff and and maybe do more ops on your way back. Uh, you know, that really uh, has changed as the the 
operational tempo in the region has changed. You know, we, we don't have the footprint that we had before. So, you know, um, I, I kind of keep going going back to this, but um, I recently did a story um, with some uh, amphibious Marines um, up at, at 29 Palms working on amphibious vehicles. And these Marines were uh, Lance Corporal, uh, no, they were corporals and, and sergeants. And um, at one point I asked all of them, you know, they'd all been in the Marines for, you know, a few years at this point. Um, but none of them had deployed to Afghanistan. None of them had been to Iraq. So um, the, you know, the people that are in the military now at this moment um, aren't this necessarily, uh, by and large, the same people who were in the military in the, the last decade or two um, when these Middle East deployments were such a defining part of military service. Um, you know, with such a small footprint, it's it's not the same, um, you know, I think it's just not the same for, for people in the military right now. Do you see anything standing in the way of that uh, September 11th date? You know, so when we get into like uh, foreign policy and, and what could change at the administration level, I don't know. Um, I, I haven't done any like high level uh, or any reporting on the high level decision making, but um, I think the potential for violence is always there. Um, and um, going into the summer, um, how these peace talks go, um, you know, there's a, a possibility that there is an increase in our troop presence in Afghanistan to support the, the withdrawal. So that temporarily, maybe you, you, you add some, some boots on the ground as, as uh, we prepare to withdraw. Um, but I, I, I don't, it, you know, hypothetically, what if this summer is incredibly violent? What if the Taliban, you know, ups their attacks? And, and what if the peace talks break down? Um, I, I can't say, and, and anything I do say would just be speculation because um, we haven't heard anything about that. And, and, and it's, it's unclear, um, you know, I think for a lot of veterans of these wars, you know, we've heard this before. We've heard for for years and years and years that we're turning the corner in Afghanistan. We're going to be leaving Afghanistan. We're going to be leaving in this year. We're going to be leaving in this year. Um, and it, it hasn't happened. So uh, I think that this announcement was met with um, skepticism uh, from the veteran community. And um, it remains to be seen. I, I think that the conditions uh, in Afghanistan will probably you know, they're going to have a vote on, on this. Now for opinion. Abby Hamblin is an opinion editor and producer, and she co-hosts Name Drop San Diego with me. Name Drop is a weekly interview podcast where we talk to someone who has shaped San Diego and has been shaped by it. Okay, Abby, we had like such an amazing and dynamic guest this week. Um, he's an actor, he's a director, he's a, an instructor, a teacher. Uh, who is our guest? Yeah, so this week we talked to Jesse Perez. He is the program director of the Old Globe and University of San Diego Shirley Graduate Theater Program. Um, so obviously very involved with the productions at the Old Globe, um, it's a very um, highly successful and highly sought after MFA program for actors. 
and he oversees it there for USD. Obviously, it's been an interesting year doing a lot of that virtually. We talked about that a lot on the show. And um, yeah, he's just a very accomplished actor and director himself doing, you know, performances all over the world and um, having previously taught at Juilliard. So definitely a lot to say about acting in the U.S. as it stands today and the history and just a a person with a, a lot of interesting opinions and experiences. Yeah, it was really interesting to talk to him about Shakespeare and sort of his enduring appeal, even though, you know, historically it wasn't all that inclusive and inclusivity and diversity, equity, inclusion um, is a big thing for Jesse Perez. Um, What what stood out to you about the interview? Right. So, yeah, I think um, obviously there's so much of that kind of thing going on right now in the country with looking at how to be more anti-racist in our institutions, in the work that people do in all different kinds of industries. But yeah, he's looking at how to sort of revamp this program that has been really successful and uh, been uh, in San Diego for many, many years now and produced some fantastic uh, theater performers. Uh, But it stood out to me that, um, you know, he's, he has, he's, this is a classical theater program, but he's trying to do this sort of modern day work um, with the context of today's uh, issues and today's uh, work to, uh, you know, answer some of the questions going on right now and, and solve some of the problems. And so how do you do that within, you know, the text of Shakespeare and the text of some of these, you know, classic plays um, that, that like you said, are, are traditionally kind of, um, you know, white centric and white dominated. And so, yeah, he just has an interesting perspective on how that can be done. He himself grew up in um, Los Angeles and, you know, had a lot of obstacles to his arts training. And I'll tell about that on the episode. So uh, don't want to give too much away about his experience. But yeah, I think he brings that to what he does as an educator now. And that just makes him all the more, um, you know, of an advocate and, and person who can help kind of diversify that program and, and what we're seeing in arts here in San Diego. Yeah, I want to end on this clip about clowns, which is something that we did not expect to ask him about, but he brought up um, a couple times during the interview. And so I asked him, what, you know, what is a clown or what did it mean to him? Wow. You know, yeah, that's a great question because, you know, right now we're doing a search to find ahead of movement. And um, uh, a lot of the questions are like, what, what is that foundation? You know, what is that core training that we want to give them? And I always say, physical comedy, improv, and clown, you know? And people are, people ask the same question, you know, Christy, they're like, what, what is clown? And it's not a circus clown, you know? I don't want you to think that you're going to Ringling Brothers, or, you know, or anything like that's not circus away. Clown is actually freeing the inner child to come out and play. It's the um, unsocialized spirit. It's that, that, you know, um, attitude that's never been told no, you know, so they don't know any better. They just do it. Now to get there to that point of a reverence and play, you need so many exercises to free yourself from all the armor that the world has put upon you. All the armor that you put on to be like, oh, I got to be an adult. What? Oh, this is how I behave. Oh, my fork is held this way. But if you throw all of that out the window and just become sort of your softest brain self, then all of a sudden you can look at the world in a more curious way with wonderment and your imagination starts opening up.
You can find these stories online at SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.